Ni hao and kia ora. Welcome once more to another Alphabet episode of The Paranormal Tourists. I would like to say that we are halfway through our B section and we could look forward to a large collection of C venues, but I think actually we're more likely to be about a third of the way through as there are some very large ones coming up soon. This week we have Birmingham, yet Brighton is way off in the distance, closely followed by Bristol, so quite a way to go before we can get anywhere near Cardiff. With that in mind, let's do our weekly roundup of insanity from the UK before we talk about weird things. Today's date is the 8th of July 2020, and here is the news. England is currently accounting for approximately 96% of all deaths in the UK, with Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland having death-free and new infection-free days. But in England, Boris Johnson is still trying to blame care home workers for the fact that his government ordered infected patients to go back into care homes where they died and infected everyone in them, leading to about 30,000 deaths. The WHO have announced there is evidence this is an airborne disease, meaning that opening pubs, restaurants, public transport and so on is dangerous. Not that any scientist, medical personnel or even person with a brain thought the opposite. And due to an increase in death, countries like Serbia have had to have a second lockdown, which has led to riots with people demanding the right to catch a deadly disease and die. Yes, the world has got more insane since our last episode. To all our post-apocalyptic survivors, that's the roundup of all the history this week, done as quickly as possible, meaning we can get onto the places that you can visit whilst wearing a mask and gloves, not touching anything or anyone. To start with, it's a rather big one, as we head to Birmingham. I wish we could report on the multitude of amazing haunted places in Birmingham, as there are so many amazing buildings and pubs that have great hauntings, but we cannot get into them, so here is the list of the freebie places that are safe. Birmingham, West Midlands. Before we even get to park the car, there is a possibility you came here on the M6, and that is, in theory, haunted by a phantom pickup truck. Reports state it looks like a real vehicle until you overtake it and then it disappears into thin air. There are even some rather dodgy psychics claiming that an area that they have dubbed the Birmingham Triangle, which is in no way as exotic as its Bermuda counterpart, uh, in this there are way too many accidents and they're being blamed on hauntings and ghost appearances, scaring the drivers and causing crashes. These spooks are apparently spotted between Junction 17 and 19, and psychic investigators claim that it is an ancient burial site of a Roman legion who were killed in battle, and they are objecting to the planning permission disturbing their unmarked graves. The reports of phantom lorries, one has to assume, have nothing to do with the aforementioned Romans, as even the most advanced Romans tended to use horse and carts and not Eddie Stobart trucks. These could be Romans, however, as the lorries are seen driving on the wrong side of the road, and in Italy they do drive on the right, so perhaps they are just following their native laws. Surely, though, they should have heard the phrase when in Rome, or perhaps they think this means we should all copy Rome, even when not there. Other vehicles, particularly around Junction 19, have been seen as though involved in an accident, only to vanish, and a woman who seems upset is seen trying to hitchhike as well as a screaming woman at the side of the road. Obviously, this is an impossible place to investigate as we cannot park on the M6, so head into Birmingham and go for a nice walk in Aston Park. If we go to Aston Park, we might experience one of our multicoloured ladies floating around, but we have a new colour to add that is maroon. I am, however, rather suspicious of this one, as the football team Aston Villa playing claret and blue coloured football kit, which is very close to a maroon colour. So are we seeing a spooky footy fan, or a local legend morphing to suit the team? 
The woman is described as having her hair tied in a bun, wearing a maroon dress and looking like a full, solid-bodied individual sitting on a bench at the tennis courts. When she is approached, however, she disappears and fades away as if representing Aston Villa's hopes and dreams. If we stay in Aston but this time go to Victoria Road, we may find another woman, this time playing in a different team's kit as she is a lady in green. She must be either a supporter of Forest Green Rovers or maybe she really liked goalkeepers. But the reports seem to stipulate green clothing with frills and appearing in the middle of the road or on the curb and then drifting across the street before she vanishes into thin air. Now I seem to have lost all credibility by pretending I know anything about football, let us leave Aston Park and behave like football thugs as we turn over some cars. These tales seem to emanate from the 1970s onwards and an area called Drew's Lane, specifically, according to one report, between 175 and the corner shop at Ward End. A former resident Jackie claimed that, I used to hear cars that used to roll over whilst driving. Hundreds of cars have been heard and seen upside down with no reason or rhyme. There are a couple of weeks sometimes, nothing to explain it. There have never ever been any other cars involved, just that when they come down our road, they would turn over. Truly weird one that I have no explanation for, and in doing some research, there still seems to be a lot of overturned cars appearing in places in and around Birmingham. I think this is one event that we will have to keep our eyes open for, so if anyone gets any more reports, we want to try and work out if this is paranormal or just bad driving and people abandoning cars. Ward End also gives us a modern vampire tale, but not something we can really investigate as there's been no reports recently. However, the story was that in December 2004, there were stories of an attacker described as black or Somalian and in his 20s. He seems to have attacked and bitten another man who was walking along a street in the Ward area of Birmingham, and their neighbours came to the victim's aid and he turned on them and bit them as well. One woman was said to have a chunk of flesh bitten out of her hand. In the following weeks, the media were contacted by people in Saltley, Small Heath and Alum Rock who had heard of similar attacks in their areas, including residents being bitten as they answered their doors. The descriptions became more and more unusual as there were claims that the nocturnal predator had red eyes and that he would become invisible. He could also transform into a dog. I'm not sure if that was before or after or whilst being invisible, and that he had also bitten at least one dog. Some claimed he had contracted rabies from a dog bite and wanted to transmit it onto others in the same way. But police very soon debunked the blood-sucking, flesh-devouring claims as the story spread and fear started to grow in the city. Was it true? Did the police just put fake news out to discredit our modern-day Dracula? More importantly, if you're currently listening to this whilst upside down in your car, then please ignore talk of vampires, safely remove your seatbelt whilst bracing your head for impact on the floor, and head off to... Coles Hill Road. That's C-O-L-E-S-H-I-L-L. We are now searching for a dead butcher, otherwise known as the Ghost of Barwick. That's B-A-R-W-I-C-K. The reports I've seen claim that it is spotted in broad daylight and looking like a flesh-and-blood person who disappears when you attempt to talk to it. He was murdered on this street back in 1780 and for some reason has haunted it ever since. One report being from a Securicor van driver who tried to talk to him after he stepped out in front of the vehicle. Other roads we can head to include Sherborne Road, as S-H-E-R-B-O-U-R-N-E, and we have a time that seems to favour this spook's appearance, and it's not a great one as it's three o'clock in the morning. You will, however, easily recognise him as he's described as wearing a top hat and old-fashioned clothing. 
He apparently walks along picking up papers. The annoying thing is that there are two ghosts appearing at three in the morning, as another report from Brightstone Road claims that screams can be heard at this time and there is a spook that is spotted of a young boy who is crying. There is no specific time for the young boy, so I don't know if we're looking at two different ghosts or if they're connected in some way. He's not the only young spook wandering the streets, for if we now head to Fountain Close, there are apparently a family of ghosts, five of them in total haunting the area. They are described as two boys, age nine and twelve, and a seven-year-old girl and their parents. The mother is the source of the grief and sadness, as it is said she unfortunately died during childbirth, and the rest of the family died mysteriously soon after. As always, we have an interesting cryptid to add to our collection of weird and wonderful animals. This time, it may be the ghostly alien kangaroo of Ickneald Street, Hockley. It may be somehow the un unholy product of someone breaking into Dudley Zoo, which is not too far away in kangaroo miles, and becoming overly amorous with the bouncy biped, as this entity is claimed to be a grey and humanoid figure, but moving and jumping like a kangaroo. It also seemed to gain momentum by swinging its arms at the same time. We might think the witness saw a flash of some animal and mistook this for a bizarre image. However, one witness in 2014 claims that the creature stopped in the road, looked at them, giving them enough time to get a clear view, then it turned and hopped off into the nearby cemetery. If we're in the vicinity of cemeteries, then why not head to Waterstones Lane Cemetery, which has an intriguing name, which was acquired by an unlikely legend. A giant who lived at Birmingham Castle was killed when the giant of Dudley threw a stone at him, launched from Dudley. The rock also demolished the castle. The stone was erected as a memento and the lane named after the war stone used as the weapon. The rock is now on a plinth within the cemetery. Whilst we're in the cemetery, we can try and find another ghostly ghouly girl, sometimes described as a girl and sometimes described as a young woman in white. The descriptions claim she's dressed in Victorian attire, but also all in white sometimes, so I'm not sure if we're looking for two ghosts or one. But whichever apparition it is, it seems to be able to pass through parked cars. Now, a nasty accident that leads to another cemetery, or to put it more correctly, a non-accident near a cemetery, this time it's Witten Cemetery on Moor Lane. In 1995, a driver was convinced he had run over a figure outside the cemetery. He claims to have heard a bump and felt the body bumping off of his car's bonnet. He screeched to a halt to check on the poor unfortunate victim to find no one, as it had just vanished. The police were even called in and did a search of the area and failed to find any evidence of an accident. Why not drive around telling everyone you're hoping to run over imaginary people as the police may turn up again and... You could ask if they wish to join in. This ghost has been seen on other occasions near the entrance to the cemetery, so point at the entrance and run whilst the police are looking the other way. This sadly means we might not get to look around for the other ghost of the cemetery. It is said to be the ghost of a young, handsome man in RAF uniform. We have no idea who he is, or why he's there, or where he's going, as he's been seen crossing the road outside the cemetery and heading off in the direction of the nearby canal. Well, I guess the police are not too impressed with your explanation as to why you're speeding around the roads, so we must escape as quickly as you can to Witten Lakes Park and hope that the local phantom scares off the police as they are chasing you. This time, we may be saved by the phantom woman in... Is it white? Is it maroon? Is it grey? No, it's a phantom woman in modern clothing. No idea what colour this time, but her skin is apparently very pale and has a rather frightening demeanour about her.
There are other parks we could have run to. As the legend has it, that Birmingham has more trees and parks than Paris, which is technically correct, though why Paris was the city to compare to, I don't know. But you could try and hear the galloping phantom hooves of Sutton Park, or go to King's Norton Park, where a dark shape is seen crossing the parkland. A swing in the play area has also had many reports about it, as it looks like it's being pushed with someone on it when there's no one around and there's no wind to cause the effect. This figure and the swinging ghost have been seen in this century and have been experienced relatively recently, so maybe an active one to investigate. Maybe not a good idea if you get asked when hanging around a children's playground that you're on the search for some shadowy figures and swingers. There once was a story of a haunted telephone kiosk in Station Road, Erdington. It's supposed to be the ghost of a woman desperately phoning for an ambulance for her sick child, and it's quite a famous ghost story in Birmingham. But before you waste any time researching or walking the streets looking for it, the phone box has gone. Sorry, but ghosts can easily fade with time, and even easier with a bulldozer. When our Lurgy lockdown series has finally concluded, because everyone in England is dead, or they've found a vaccine, then we shall return to the sunny shores of Birmingham. Technically, it has many miles of canal, so I think we can get away with shores, as sunny shore sounds nicer than Brummies Banks, even if it is a lovely day on the banks of the canals. We will return with lots of tales of haunted museums, pubs and great buildings you can get into. It may even be before we reach the end of the Alphabet Covid series, if we ever get to the end of the letter B. But let us leave Birmingham on one of these canals as we sail along to Bisham, Berkshire. I actually don't know if you can take a canal to Bisham, but it is on the Thames, so I think we might have inadvertently given some actual factual uh, travel information. Only 25 episodes in and a real-life fact. Please don't ruin our joy by emailing us and telling us that you can't get from Birmingham to Bisham on a barge. Let us live in blissful ignorance until one of us can be bothered to Google it. Now it's time to pull up somewhere in your barge and moor it to the nearest immovable object as we are now going on land to Bisham Abbey to find Dame Hobby, or Hobie, it's H-O-B-Y, which sounds like a lovely comical name from a Dickensian character. However, this date from 1609. She's been seen ever since that date in the building and the ground, so let us familiarise ourselves with her legend with a little Wikipedia assistance. Lady Elizabeth Hobie was an English noblewoman and a highly influential member of the court of Queen Elizabeth I, renowned for her poetry and musical talent. Elizabeth's first marriage was on the 27th of June 1558 to Thomas Hobie of Bisham Abbey. In March 1566, the couple moved to Paris where Thomas died in July of the same year. The couple had four children, a boy of unknown name, two girls and another boy born after Thomas's death, whom she named Thomas after her late husband. She also built a memorial chapel to her deceased husband in Bisham Parish Church. Lady Hobie remarried in 1574 and had a further two daughters and a son. Legend has it that she mistreated her second son because of his slowness at lessons and he later died. The ghost of Lady Hobie is rumoured to still haunt the Great Hall where her portrait hangs to this day. Legend says she wishes to repent the death of her second son, whose death she is believed to have caused. The stories I've researched also add that the figure is seen in the grounds and not just the Great Hall, and weirdly she is said to carry around a basin hanging from around her neck that she constantly uses to wash her hands, as if in some Lady Macbeth way she's washing away her guilt. Bishop's Stortford, Hertfordshire 
Let's start off with a regular spooky spot, so let's find a graveyard. The Churchyard of St Michael's at Wind Hill. There is a strange, scary figure that lurks around this graveyard. And it's probably better to look at a witness's statement to tell us what they saw. The witness had been out one night with several friends and wanted to get home as it was about half past ten, so took a shortcut through the churchyard to the high road. He became rather perturbed as he saw a dark figure lurking between the graves. The description he gave was of a rather tall, dark man, and we're not talking gypsy fortune tellers and stock trade descriptions. No, <laughs> there was no future romance in question, just a terrifying encounter with a would-be mugger. This mugger was even more terrifying as the witness noticed that the figure had no face. Either this spook is a shape-changer, or we're dealing with more than one ghost. This time a female witness was walking through the graveyard even later, or possibly even earlier, as it was in the early hours of the morning. If it's past midnight, is that early morning, or is that late? I do, who knows. And more importantly, who cares? Let's just get on with the tale. This witness this time claims to have seen a female ghost wearing a long dress and then it disappeared, vanishing before her very eyes. If this one or maybe two ghosts is not enough for you, then how about we go searching for an entire army of ghosts? We need to head to the rear of the old monastery and St. Joseph's Catholic Church, once known as Windhill House. This house was owned by a wealthy man, meaning there are large grounds. Captain Winter was the owner of Windhill House back in 1800, and just before the Napoleonic Wars, he agreed to the yeomanry camping here. His men possibly needed a lot more training, as they seemed to have accidentally shot him. It's said that his ghost haunts the area, together with his phantom army in full regalia, who silently assemble, getting ready for some eternal target practice. Many ghost stories get sent to me, and in my research I find hundreds, and sadly, so many start with back in 1920, or in the last century, and, and yet again, here we get an old report, but there are hints online that it's been seen since. Back in 1930, a policeman reported an apparition that he had encountered at the junction of Northgate End and Haddam Road. The description he gave us was of an elderly gentleman that was gazing at something. The inquisitive officer approached him, at which point the figure just vanished before his very eyes. The police were not called in 30 years later when a collection of skeletons was unearthed, just up the road from here at the crossroads of Westfield Road, Mays Green Road and Haddam Road. This was not the previous home of some crazed serial killer, but actually it was the site of a stone cross known as Waits Cross and was the boundary of the town and a crossroads. Crossroads and town boundaries are always a good place to bury people who were not granted a place in the churchyard. This included criminals, suicide victims, or even just unfortunate people suspected of practising the dark arts. Waits Cross has a reputation for being haunted by the spirits of these sad souls, or possibly searching for their now unearthed skeletons. Our next encounter is a phantom bridge! Or at least we're looking for a bridge that is said to have crossed the road from Cooper's to the Black Lion. Apparently there's no architectural evidence of this bridge, but there may be some spiritual evidence. The report of spookiness from here involves sightings of a man wearing old-fashioned attire, but he seems to be about three foot above the surface of the road, as though he is crossing a bridge. It is thought that the road here was basically an open sewer, so there is every possibility that he's walking along a bridge that once stood here. Of course, there has to be a ghost story attached to Cemetery Road, so let's head that way. We will hopefully get a glimpse of the floaty white lady as she drifts across the road, but always be careful crossing the road in case of oncoming traffic or even horses and carts. This advice 
should definitely be followed if you're anywhere near Dane O'Coy's, a lane to the north of Cricketfield Lane. This ghost is seen and heard travelling across the fields towards Hoggate's Wood, but it takes a left turn in the direction of Haddam Hall and Bloodhounds Wood. The carriage description is an unusual one, as it apparently is bathed in blue light. It goes past at great speed and seems to follow the footpath and bridleway. Bit of a harder one to see now, but it's more likely to be seen in the summer months, so we may stand a bit more of a chance soon. Head to London Road and the Thai restaurant that used to be a pub. The description given is of a woman wearing rather gaudy, gaudy-looking clothing. Uh, you do not need to worry about going into the restaurant, as the spook can be spotted in the garden at the side of the building. One way to know she is about to appear is apparently there's a sudden influx of butterflies in the garden. The sweet tranquillity of watching a cavalcade of butterflies announcing the arrival of a peaceful spirit could be ruined very quickly because of the sound of screaming. This seems to be centred around Water Lane, running parallel to Basbo Lane and North Street. It has been seen as a floating lady silently gliding along in the direction of the United Reformed Church. However, in Water Lane and Bridge Street, particularly near the Star Public House, she had been seen running and screaming. This is probably the most famous ghost of the town, and this town has a lot of hauntings. The Lemon Restaurant even has an account from a witness on the back of their menus about the ghosts in their building. However, we cannot access them at the moment, which is a shame, as they are quite numerous, and perform interesting poltergeist-style activities. So put this place on your list of places to visit if it manages to survive the COVID-19 lockdowns. Most places that start with the name Bishop or Bishops had their roots in being the house or estate of whichever bishop was in charge of the area. They were financial and administrative centres and often rather wealthy, so let's head to somewhere nice with a palace. Bishops Waltham, Hampshire. We are currently in a time where people are having to face up to racial inequality and it is within my lifetime that we still had people performing in blackface makeup on the black and white minstrel shows on television. For way too long have people ignored institutional racism in this country, one that was built on empire building and the slave trade and all over the world, especially in the US. However, Bishop's Waltham can claim to be the first town in the UK to make it a crime. This is because of a group of poachers known as the Waltham Blacks. They were a group of deer poachers operating and terrorising local people who actually caused an Act of Parliament to be passed to stop them. The Act, passed in 1723, made it a felony to appear armed, disguised, or with a blackened face. Admittedly, the Act continued, being so designed to kill deer, rob or warren or to steal fish, so technically illegal to blackface, but only if poaching animals. Bishop's Waltham does have a haunted palace. It was the home of the Bishops of Winchester. Bishop's Waltham Palace, or Wolvesey Castle, is one of the most important normal palaces in England. At the time it was built, Winchester was second only to London as an ecclesiastical centre. The palace was still in use right up until the 1680s, when Bishop George Morley decided to build a new palace close by. It is an English heritage site, so please check for access before heading off. However, I do know of a few ghost hunters who investigated this place at night, quite probably without permission. Sadly, by the middle of the 18th century, the palace fell out of favour with the bishops as they preferred using Farnham Castle in Surrey as their main home. Perhaps now that we can visit our second homes, as Lurgy lockdown is lifted, they may return. I'm sure we are all now roaming the countryside to our second, third and even fourth homes that we all have.
There are a few ghost stories associated with the ruined parts of the building, mostly concerning shadowy figures seen and various strange noises, but no named ghosts or famous tales that I can impart upon you now from our research. If your investigation into the palace has yielded no paranormal happenings, then fear ye not. We can now head to St. Peter's Church, where in recent years there have been a couple of reports of a thudding mist. If that's all possible, uh, here is a sighting from 1992 at about 11pm. The witnesses were walking through the churchyard when they heard a noise behind them. Turning around, they watched a green misty shape fall to the ground and vanish with a thud. Other sightings have claimed to see the green mist, not necessarily with the thud. When heading in or out of Bishop Stortford, see if you can spot the woman in black. I do not have a name of a road, so good luck with this one. She's apparently wearing black and holding a bike. She's asked witnesses for directions to Dean. People have even given the directions and the ghost has acknowledged them and said yes. Then she climbed onto her bike and disappeared into thin air. When witnesses glance away uh, and one witness claimed the bike looked Victorian and the, the women's clothing was odd. Hopefully this road with our Victorian biker is near Folly Field. As one report in 1975 talks about a teenager heading off on his paper round. He said that he heard what sounded like um, an animal screaming in pain running through the undergrowth. This was not necessarily paranormal. Any animal could have been injured or attacked by another. The, the unusual aspect of this tale was that he could also hear the sound of a horse and rider chasing it. Nothing that could be seen, but the noises lasted for about 15 seconds. Bisley, Gloucestershire. Bisley has a very interesting church with many stories of spookiness and weird events. The very creation of the church itself is steeped in legend. It was built on an old pagan site, as so many Christian churches were, and the 900-foot-above-sea-level spire was a focal point for Luftwaffe pilots, and they would use it to navigate their missions. The devil had a hand in the church construction. The legend states that the church was originally about a mile down the road, but overnight the devil demolished it and reconstructed it on its present site. Another tale from the church is about a devil dog. A couple were walking through the church grounds and were confronted face-to-face -face with the large black dog. The dog had a dark coat and burnt red eyes. It appeared to have a wet, drool-smeared mouth. The description goes on to state that the dog looked like it was barking, but no noise was emanating from its mouth. The rather unnerved couple then turned to go back to the church and get away from the beast, and when they had gone but a few steps, they checked to see if the beast was in hot pursuit, only it had completely disappeared. The east of the village, just off Hay Hedge Road, we find the remnants of the giant stone long barrow. All that remains are two large stones that were once part of the construction, but it's not actually the long barrow that is haunted, so do not worry. Instead, a headless phantom horseman is supposed to ride past, though reports are few and far between of this spook. Another burial site carries on more weight in the world of legends, and the famous money tump is to be found south of the village. One of the famous sightings at the Money Tump is from 1912. A group of men returning from France, Lynch, which is a place in Stroud, Gloucestershire, and not actual France, saw a group of figures stood on the tump, and as they got closer, they realised the figures were headless. One theory that has been speculated about these figures is that they were actually religious figures with their heads bowed in prayer. Either way, gentlemen witnesses were rather unnerved. So why is it called the Money Tump, I hear you ask? Well, the Neolithical burial mound has several legends, one being that there is a large hoard of treasure waiting to be discovered. 
Well, before you go out with your shovels and metal detectors, the mound has been extensively surveyed and produced no results regarding hidden gold or treasures in any way. Sadly, that is all we have time for, as I can hear the vibrating ukulele strings of Frankenstein's lobster as they push us out of the studio so that they can play instead, which only leaves me enough time to say, stay safe, stay sane, and keep spook spotting. And from everyone here at the Paranormal Tourists, goodbye, 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 goodbye.